We, uh, we're jumping into uh, back into Colossians today. If you uh, have a Bible with you, awesome. If you do not, our ushers have Bibles, uh, and uh, we'd be glad for you to take one. In fact, if you don't own one of these, uh, you can have it, consider it a gift, and take it with you today. Uh, if you just need to borrow it, that's fine too. We're going to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we're a few weeks into uh, the book of Colossians, uh, and uh, it's uh, already uh, just working me over. Uh, today's, today's passage is daunting uh, in, in a good way, uh, just because there is so much to this passage. Uh, I'll just be honest, it is, it is, it's impossible to like really, 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 really preach this. And every, if, if, you could, if you had the time, you could make a study out of this passage that we're studying today. Uh, and pull uh, one theological element and then teach that with each one of the things that uh, are pieces of this passage. I mean, you could, you could spend a while on it. Uh, but man, it is so good. This passage is so good. Uh, this, pa- this passage is without a doubt so key to our faith. I mean, like this is one of those passages that for us, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of what we believe is hinging on things that Paul is teaching uh, in writing uh, this letter. And in fact, I'll go ahead and go back and, and share just a little bit about that for just a second uh, in case you're just tuning in. Uh, we talked about this last couple of weeks, and I'm just trying to catch people as uh, people are just getting to, to come and join and been gone or whatever. Uh, and, uh, but uh, this, this passage, this, this whole book, the book of Colossians, is written uh, as a letter to a church in a place called Colossae. And the reason, the biggest reason in which why this uh, letter was written, it was written by Paul. God used Paul to pen this, uh, and man, did he ever use him. Like just this passage that we're studying today is such evidence of like God working through Paul to, to write something uh, that we would, of course, have as our word now. It's his word now, uh, excuse me. And then, um, but uh, this passage was written because uh, we're talking about like very early church here, okay? Very early church. And, and so early that they're trying to figure out, like, what, what do they believe in? And, who, you know, and, and they, know, they know about Jesus. They're beginning to know about the gospel uh, and all of these things. And so Paul is specifically trying to help them with some things because one of the guys, and uh, probably one of the main guys, if not the guy who went out to start this church at Colossae, who had been under Paul's teaching, had come back and said, hey, look, we've got an issue with some of the folks within the church at Colossae kind of buying into other belief systems. Now, we don't, we don't know what it was. He, Paul's never clear as to what it was that they were. We don't know if it was a false gospel. We don't know if uh, there were people that were still, you know, maybe they were worshiping some man-made idols or uh, some kind of uh, spiritual guru, mysticism, who, witchcraft. Who knows? Who knows what it was? We don't know. Uh, and Paul doesn't make a big deal out of that because he's not that concerned with with them talking about it, God's not that concerned with us knowing about it. Otherwise, we'd have more detail about it. Uh, but Paul's response to what was going on there was this letter. And so the, the biggest part of this letter is trying to help them to make sure that they understand that, this is, that it's all about Jesus and that God sent His Son to die for them and, you know, and, and all these things that are so important to our faith. And then, and then you have a passage like today. Where like it, you take you take just these common understandings of our faith, and then strengthen them with these pillars that we're going to study through uh, here and just within just a few verses, uh, five verses today, um, and 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 you have just this amazing thing in which God is creating and painting this picture for us to see a little bit of behind the scenes of how He did what He did in using Jesus in this world, not just to save us, but for so much more than that. And so, and so what Paul is doing is he's, he's trying to give them like specific, specific things to understand uh, and, and really just be able to anchor to. And that's, that's so important in our faith. It's so important in our faith that we have these things that we understand are, you know, these things that we anchor to. They are pillars of our faith. They are what we believe and we know that's who God is because he's given that to us in his word. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in scripture and Paul talks about, you know, some of the gray area type things too. We see some of that in the New Testament. And we as a church totally, uh, we totally roll with, with, that, with that mindset that, you know, there's a lot of things that within our faith 
that, that we can, you know, we can all kind of, you know, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, we don't know. But then there's these things that like, we don't, we don't move on. Like Jesus is the way, you know, that God so loved the world, you know, that he sent his only son, uh, that, that Jesus came born of a virgin, you know, all, all of, you know, it's all of these things. There's so many things like that, that, you know, are so important to us. We're going to see some of those things today. And then there's, and then there's those things that, you know, allow us to be, you know, that, you know, things can be a little different or whatever it is. And, and that's fine. And I, I had a pastor friend of mine that uh, I've, I spent uh, time with him on staff as, as his youth pastor years ago. And he used to say it like this. He's like, Chris, always keep one foot in the gospel. Always keep one foot in God's word. He said the, the, the other foot, you know, is that, it's that method. It's like the, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? Have we, have we always done it like this, but is that really from God's word or is that just, you know, a method? He's like, methods can change, but you can't, you can't take, you can't take that one foot out of God's word and out of the gospel. And so I've always remembered that that's so, so true for our church. Um, and, and, you know, we think about that whenever we're thinking about anything that we do here. Um, let's go ahead and jump into this. I, w- I want to look at this. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And in verse 15. And in fact, I, I, I want to read through the passage. Then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about it. What a passage. Okay. Whoa. All right. Here we go. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is, this is a passage of Scripture. I mean, man, it's so good. It's so good, and it's got so much for us. Let, let's just look. Let's look at verse 15, Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Right out of the gate, Paul is trying to help that young church in Colossae. And God is helping us to understand these same things, by the way, as I talk about that. He's trying to help that young church to anchor to something very specifically. And it is the supremacy of Christ. He's trying to help them to see that they don't need all of these other things. Here, here's where you put, here's where you put all your marbles. Here's where you spend your time. This is what's worthwhile in your life. You know, I mean, you think, think about this. If you, if you know something to be true, and you see other people around you that you care about that are suffering because they don't know that truth then we want them to know that truth and we, we share with them about that. I was I just even in between services just a minute ago, just in a random conversation, uh, you know, uh, there was a little thing came up about, you know, like where our kids go to school or whatever, and we, and we love where our kids go to school. Uh, and, and so, you know, they were just, you know, something, and, and I'm like, I was real quick to just like, oh, yeah, you know, this, 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 you know. And, and it's just because, man, we just, we have had such a great experience that it's just an awesome school. The truth is said, for the gospel and for Paul, he wanted to make sure that this church understood who Jesus is. So he's going, he's already, last couple weeks we've seen in the, in the passages before this, and you can go back and listen to those, I'm not going to regurgitate all that. You can go back and check that out if you missed it. Uh, but the last couple weeks we've seen him setting this foundation that Jesus is Lord. And here he's going steps further. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. He's saying something so big right there that for anyone that up to this point had heard, ever studied people like Moses, 
I mean, th- think about it for just a minute. All through the Old Testament, we see, you know, from time to time, people wanting to see God, wanting to, wanting to lay their eyes on Him to see what He looks like. And what God say, what God would always say, no, 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 you're not, you're not ready for that. You can't, you can't handle this. You know, you can't handle the truth, right? Uh, you know, but you can't, you can't handle this. You can't actually see me. It will kill you, right? He like Moses, he like lets him, you know, like get a little whiff of the air, so to speak. Go check that out for yourself, and you can see uh, the story of all that. Um, I mean, and, and even in that, it was just overwhelming. Here, Paul is saying, God Himself has been made visible to us through the person of Jesus. This was a huge statement for them. So huge after knowing that forever and ever nobody gets to see God. And then, boom, He is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. This is also very (coughs) indicative of what we see in Genesis, that man was made in his image, you know, similar kind of thing. Only this is more specific. He is the image of the invisible God. Man was made in his image. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. That's like knocking it out of the park. And basically, Paul is continuing to help them to understand it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He goes on right here, and he says, the firstborn of all creation. Calls Jesus the firstborn of all creation. This is uh, one of those things that people have largely debated. What does this mean? What does this mean? Firstborn of all creation. Was Jesus born before all the people of the world? I mean, that's kind of what you, you think on first, like just first glance. That's not what it means. It is not that Jesus was born before all the other people in the world. In fact, I'll just go, I'll just go ahead and give this one away. Jesus wasn't born. Jesus was. I'm going to let that sink in on you for just a minute. Okay? Big thoughts today. Jesus wasn't born. Jesus was. He, he was. God was. Just God existed. God created. And in fact, we'll read in just a minute how He did that. But this passage... It's trying to help us to understand some things about Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Well, Chris, if it's not talking about that he was the firstborn of all creation, what is it even talking about then? Well, what, let, me, let me throw this at you. What if, what if I told you that maybe it was that he was the firstborn of a new creation? The firstborn of a new creation. Why don't you think about this for just a second? We have an understanding that, biblically speaking, that when God sent Jesus into the world, God was sending in the beginning of His kingdom. Jesus was coming and coming with the kingdom of God. It wasn't just Jesus. Jesus was coming and bringing the kingdom of God with Him to start something brand new. Think about what happens when you trusted in Jesus to be your Savior, you believe in Him that He would save you from your sins, and, and then what? You are made a new creation. We're going to see more about some of this, so I don't want to give too much away here. Jesus wasn't, Paul wasn't saying Jesus was just born before everybody else. Jesus was saying He was the firstborn of all creation, and then and, and so anytime we've got a passage where we're kind of like, we're trying to figure this out, which actually the rest of this passage helps us figure it out. But let's just say we didn't have the rest of it. Psalm 89.27 says this. Check this out. Psalm 89.27. It says, And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Now, in that passage, we are after the creation of the world. But that passage is leaning towards something that God was going to do. 
There was action involved. I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. So it leads us to, again, helping to solidify. It's not talking about Jesus being born before everybody else, but there's going to be a birth. Oh, wait a minute. There was a birth. You remember like a month ago, we had this thing called Christmas. Remember that? Were you guys there? Are you with me? Christmas, did, did anybody get to have a Christmas this year? Anybody see a Christmas? Okay, we, we, got, a, we got a few, all right. <laughs> don't, don't make me like start throwing water on y'all or something. So there was a birth. Jesus would be born into this world, and he would be the firstborn of a new creation. I mean, you think about it. It was, it was through the gospel of what God would do through his son Jesus in which we would be saved, in which we would be made new, and we would have a new birth, a new life, and be made new. John 1.3 also says this. It says, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through Him. Through who? Jesus. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. Are you saying Jesus created all things? Well, I'll tell you what, let's just look at verse 16. Go to Colossians 1.16, and it says this, For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. All things were created through Him and for Him. All things were created. And, and I, love how, I love how God uses Paul to pin this for us. That we could get this full picture. Because it would be real easy for, you know, because we're, we're, we're great at like wanting to know the details sometimes of things that like don't matter. And then sometimes there's details of things that do matter. And God gives us some detail of things that do matter here for us to not be sitting in the in the aftermath of reading this and going, well, exactly what did Jesus make then? Maybe he didn't make all the things. Maybe he made some things. But, but Paul says, no, no, no. He made all the things. And then, Paul, and, and then, in fact, Paul's so, so clear that he doesn't want us to be lost on this, that he's like, not only did he make all things, let's just be real clear. Let's, let's, go, let's go with like, you know, areas. Let's cover some areas. I, I drove out to Spring Hill this week, by the way, at like 3.30 in the afternoon. That's like the dumbest thing I've done all week. You know, and you know, that's a nice area out there. Don't, but don't fight Nashville traffic for it, okay? Uh, you know, but I mean, you know, all, we, we're familiar with like different types of areas, but Paul in this passage right here in this verse, verse 16, in this verse, he's saying He's going to cover the areas, but he's not just going to cover like, oh, you know, Jerusalem and, you know, and the God, you know, all this over here. No, no, no. Paul says this. He says, for all, by, by all things were created in heaven and on earth. He doesn't, he doesn't go with countries. He doesn't go with cities. He doesn't go with people's houses. He goes with realms. I mean, like, he's like, we're going to cover this right here. He's going to go heaven and on earth, everything in heaven and on earth. And then he goes even further and he's like visible and invisible. He's like, well, I, wonder if, I wonder if Jesus made, I wonder if Jesus made that stuff in, that we looked at in the microscopes when we were in like eighth grade science class. Yep, he did that. How do we know? Oh, because it's right here. Visible and invisible and then on top of that, because, because Paul knew, and God knew as he's working through Paul to pin this, that at that point in time, people were so into like leaders, and specifically like political leaders, you know, like their kings and all of this kind of stuff. Sound familiar, you know? And like, how many TV channels can we have like devoted to politics? Oh my gosh, run me over with a steamroller. 
It wears me out. All right? So, so here, Paul's like, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Do you, you see what Paul does there? He's like, we're going to start this one off with it. I'm going to finish it with it. What's it say at the beginning of verse 16? For by him all things were created. How does he end verse 16? All things were created through him and for him. And Paul's like, you know, we'll cover the leadership thing. We'll cover the kings. In fact, we'll, I'll make it so clear that like Jesus made the thrones and the dudes that get to sit in them. He's like, all of it. We're like, okay. Okay, Chris, we, we get it. We get it. You're excited that Jesus made all the things. Well, think, think about this. I mean, think, think about like what a big deal that is. The creator of the world, check this out. This is so cool. The creator of the world not only created all things, but he came back to redeem all things. Think about that. He didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't have to come back for us. I mean, he did. If we were going to be saved, because we couldn't save ourselves after the fall. But the truth is that that, that work in which God did for us, he did for us by his grace. It's because he loves us. He cares for us. He is our creator. He cared enough to make you. He cared enough to make me. What he was thinking, but whatever. I mean, you, you see though, I mean like God loves us and as the creator, he, he didn't just create us and just, you know, here it goes. You know, it's on its own now. We'll see how it works out. And it's like the sea monkeys that you bought off the back of the comic book when you were a kid. Who had sea monkeys? Just go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We got, we got five in here testifying to the sea monkeys today. <laughs> Everybody else is like, what's a sea monkey? Yeah, go, go look it up. <laughs> you know, God, God cares about us as his creation sent his son to die for us that in Him and only in Him that we might find salvation, that we might be saved from our sins. And Paul, Paul's like, I don't want these people to just know that Jesus saved them. I want them to know that it is all about Jesus and this is why. You see what I'm saying? So this is like, this is important for us. Like the things that we're studying today, these are like, I mean, these are huge for our faith. So huge for our faith. Verse 17, it goes on, it says this, and, and we'll come back to all things were created through him and for him. Verse 17 says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So not only did he create it all, not only does he come back to redeem it all. But also, he was before it all, which we already knew that, and he holds it all together. That statement, he holds it all together? Listen, if you're having a rough week, cling to that. Because guess what? We can't hold it all together. We're ridiculous messes, right? Amen. Like we know that. We know that for ourselves. But he holds it all together. How, what does all mean? Do we need to go back over that? I don't think so. All right? I, I, think, it's, I think we can pretty much just assume the all applies to the all above, which was the, the realms, the politicians, the thrones, the visible, the invisible, the sea monkeys, the whole bit, right? He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. We see the supremacy of Christ 
in just these three verses right here, here in, in four different ways. I'll just give them to you. In that He's the firstborn, again, the firstborn of a new creation, that He is the Creator, okay? That He is the goal. Come back to that in just a second. And that He's the sustainer. Let's talk about goal and sustainer for a second. Goal is that last part of verse 16. We're going backwards now. Like, oh no, they're going to be out of catfish when I get there. All things... A little slow. Sorry, right, we'll take it. All things were created through Him and for Him. Remember that? Verse 16, all things were created through Him and for Him. What does that mean? What's that about? So we know Jesus created all the things. <laughs> like, okay, Paul, we, we got it. We got it. All things were created through Him. And then what about the for Him part? For Him. Are you saying that Jesus created everything for Himself? Yep. That's what I'm saying. Like, what? That seems... That seems odd. Why would he? Why would he do that? Why would? Why would Jesus create everything for himself? I want you to think about that for just a second. It sounds egotistical, almost in a way, that God wants to draw everything back to Him. Why would He do that? Why would? Why would He do that? Why would Jesus do that? I think it very plainly for us to understand. That God knows better as our Creator, Jesus as our Creator, knows better for us than we know for ourselves. Think of, let's just think about sin for a minute, okay? I love talking about sin. It makes some people uncomfortable. I don't really care. I mean, it's part of it. And, and the truth is, it doesn't make me uncomfortable because Jesus saved me from it. Praise the Lord. Uh, so sin, that thing, those things that we struggle with in this life that we oftentimes want to fight against and like, you know, God knows, we know that God knows better than us, but then, you know, still at the end of the day, we're like, at times we're like, oh, well, you know, I think I'm going to do this instead of doing it that way because oh, it'll be okay and it doesn't really matter or whatever. And we have these things called sin that we struggle with that break God's heart. And if you grew up in like a legalistic taught way of understanding sin, well, it's just sin, sin sends you to hell, which is, that's true. Uh, but that, you know, it's all about, you know, you can't sin or God's not going to love you, and that's not true. God loves us and loved us so much that He sent Jesus to die for us. And yes, our sin breaks His heart, but at the end of the day, it's not, it's not some game that God is playing of like, here's the rules and we'll see how many you can follow. Not that, okay? Very simply, God loves us he sent Jesus to die for us that we might be forgiven from sin. Why? Because sin destroys. Sin hurts. Sin hurts us. Even, even that little pet sin, you know, even that little pet sin that we, you know, we like have in a box and we like get it out, nobody's around, and you know, nobody knows and we know it's not really hurting me, it's not really hurting anybody else. Just you know, whatever. The truth is, is that deep down, we know that that does hurt us. We know that, we know that those things destroy in little ways, changes us, changes who we are. And God sees that for us. And as His creation, whom He loves and whom He wants to save, when it says that, that He created all things were created through Him and for Him, the reason that He created all things for Himself is because He knew that He would be the best thing for His creation to come back to. All these other things that we run toward, that we're pursuing in life, whatever, nothing wrong with pursuing things, but when they become our gods, when they become the things that we adore, when they become the things that we love, and they take the place of Jesus in our life, we almost always end up falling into some sort of sin, if nothing else, just from the worship of something else instead of Him. Whereas He understands that He's got the very best thing for us, and that's His love. It's His care. A good parent raises a child to grow up, go out, live. But they, any good parent will tell you that they hope that 
as their child grows up and becomes an adult that they still come back. They still have a good relationship. In fact, that they have a, a greater relationship that grows and flourishes and becomes so much more even special as they get older. God loves us. Cares for us. He knows what's best for us when we don't know what's best for us. He knows what's best for us when we think we know what's best for us. And He, verse 18, and He is the head of the body, the church. By the way, the sustainer part, you know, we, we talked about, let me, let me go backwards for a second. The supremacy overall, Christ's supremacy overall, and seeing that and being that He's the firstborn, that He's the Creator, He's the goal. That's the coming back to Him that at the end of the day He created, he created all things uh, and, and it was through Him but also for Him that He, Jesus, is the goal at the end of the day, even for His creation. And that also He's the sustainer that He holds all things together. Okay? So we got that. And then in verse 18 it says, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the body, the church. And so here we see part of this this whole new kingdom, new life beginning to take hold through what we see in the church. Don't ever ever let anybody tell you or talk you into believing that the church isn't important. The church is important. And she is worth fighting for. She is worth fighting for and Jesus Himself fought for her. Go, Go read Ephesians 5. And, and just see for yourself what Christ, how Christ feels about the church. His bride, okay? And any, and any man in here that's married, you know, hopefully you have a good marriage. And if you do, then you think very positively about, about your bride and you would, you would protect your bride to no end. That's, that's Jesus and the church, okay? And He is the head of the body, the church, one one of the reasons I, I you don't ever hear me call myself senior pastor. <clears throat> I usually just use the term lead pastor or something like that, or just whatever idiot. Um, and the reason for that is is and and this is you know it's 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 words. I mean it is what it is. But in in my mind, the thing that we as pastors always have to be doing for the church is being reminded that Jesus Jesus Himself is the senior pastor of the church. I'm not the senior pastor of 24 Church. Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of 24 Church. I might be a leading pastor, some kind of, whatever. God put that on me. I didn't ask for it, okay? I promise you. I had a lot of other things I was thinking about doing. Here we are. Praise God for what He's done and what He's doing. But we have this understanding that Jesus is the senior pastor of the church. So any, any pastor that is trying to follow the Lord is doing exactly, exactly that, that statement. Trying to follow the Lord. So like, you know, anytime we, when we have discussions, we're thinking through and praying through, you know, any kind of a big change, especially within the church. Uh, you know, we, we sit down and we talk through, okay, well, uh, here's the vision of the church, which is something that we've already prayed over and I feel like God's given us. Here's the mission of the church. Does it, does it work running through the grids of those things? Okay. Lastly is the big thing. Because there's a lot of great things that you can do as a church, by the way. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of great things that you can do as a church. A lot of things that we don't do that a lot of other churches do. And sometimes we don't do them because other churches do them. And we're like, well, there's no reason. We've already got churches doing some of those things. Like, let's focus on some things maybe other churches aren't doing. And, and so with that, the big question is this. Is this what God is leading us to do? Is this what the senior pastor wants for his church? That's a big question. And quite honestly, it's hard sometimes to get the answers in those meetings, right? It's not so simple as like, we're going to meet today at 9 o'clock and you know, we're going to you know, work through this with Jesus and we're going to see what he wants to do. We're going to pray about it. Spend a lot of time praying about it and spend some time maybe even talking with us. 
I, I'll tell you, one, one, of the, one of the moments that sticks out in my mind, I hope you don't mind me sharing this kind of off, uh, one of the moments that sticks out in my mind for 24 uh, for us when, when we were trying to seek the Lord and something He was leading us to do, we felt like there was this peace missing within the body of 24 where we needed to somehow set an example for who we want to be within this community. Like we've always had this like Jeremiah 29, like it, you know, if God's calling us to be in this community, then the community should be better for it because we are there kind of thing. And, and that's always been super important. That's part of the mission of 24, yada, yada, yada. And, and so, I just yada yada the mission of 24, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get to the thing. And so, and so we're at a staff retreat, and actually we were, we were up, near, uh, up near Barclay Lodge where the retreat's going to be here uh, in, uh, in another month or so. And uh, sign up for that, by the way. He'll talk about that later. Uh, and we were, we were having staff retreat. We're meeting. We're talking about some of this, and we're like, how, how can we get people, how can we get our people, how can we set an example, how can we mobilize people to affect change in our community? Like physically, how can we do this? Like let's don't just talk about it. Like let's do something about it, right? And so, and so we're, we're having this conversation and we're in and out and all over the place and people sharing things and somebody shared something about uh, another church, some things they were doing, they were having like a breakfast and you know stuff like that. I was like, well, that sounds... Sounds good. We like to eat, but I don't know if that's going to really... Anyway, we came up with the idea of Serve Sunday. And, for, and if you're new to 24 and you don't know what Serve Sunday is, uh, a couple times a year we take a whole Sunday morning and we'll have like a quick worship service here together and then we go out in teams and we go serve our community in all kinds of different ways, talking about individuals, schools, uh, even businesses. I mean, just, uh, you know, the city, what, whatever we can do, whatever we can you know, whatever we can get our, our hands in. And so <clears throat> in the midst of this conversation, we, we started talking about like some of the logistical things. We're like, what's that look like? And, 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 and so how we got to that conversation was just talking about, you know, if we as a church really feel led to this, if we feel God's leading us to lead people to actively go and do things for other people, how can we do that? And, and we said, well, when is the time that we could mobilize the most people to go do something like that? And we came up with Sunday morning. <laughs> I mean, a lot of churches do a thing on like Saturday morning, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna to go rake some leaves on Saturday morning. Come go with us, bring a rake. Be a good time, you know. And we were like, no, 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 that's, that's not what God's calling us to do. God's not calling us to get a dozen people together and go rake some leaves. Not that there's anything wrong with that. God was leading us to try to mobilize the entire body. And so we began to have just the hard parts of that discussion. Things like, um, there's people that won't do this with us. There's people that won't show up. They'll say, it's not important. I'm not going to do it. We had the discussion of, there's people that because they don't show up, or because it's not a regular service, won't bring an offering. And, and, right, and right there, I can just go ahead and tell you, right there in like 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
when we used to have like, I don't know, maybe when we first started doing Serve Sunday, I don't know, we probably have like, what, 75 or 100 people maybe show up to go, oh yeah, you can just put me wherever and I'll go love on people or serve people where. And I don't know, this last Serve Sunday, well over a couple hundred, 225. I knew, I knew she'd know like that. 225. And that's probably still even, not counting some people or whatever. I mean, it, it, it's, become, it's become its own animal. People start finding their own projects. They're not even coming up here and checking in. And they're just like, hey, we, we, got, a, we got a crew and we, you know, we'll, we'll find out like the next day. Oh, yeah, we had a crew out here and we were putting a roof on somebody's house. And we're like, we didn't even know about that. But that's the point, right? And so for us as a church, I say all that to just say, it's important for us to let Jesus be the leader. To let Jesus be the senior pastor. The rest of verse 18 says this, it says, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. Wow. What a verse. Let's look at it. He is the beginning. We know that. The firstborn from the dead. What is that talking about? Here we go with the firstborns again. Well, it's the same thing we were just talking about. I kind of jumped the gun and sharing some of it earlier, which is okay, but I mean, think about that. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. He died and then did what? He rose again. The first. He was the first to defeat death for what would be a new kingdom that would be started the minute that He stepped foot on planet earth. And that in this, He would be the firstborn of the dead. That you see, I, I, here's, here's the man, I wish, I wish we could have Paul here and like do question and answer. I, I really think that if we had Paul here right now and said, Paul, tell us just real quick, are you talking about when people die and they're going to be resurrected from the dead? And Paul would probably, I, th- I think Paul would say, yes, and I'm talking about the fact that Jesus in Christ, we have come from dead to life. Now, before our earthly death, we have been made new. We have been made alive again with purpose for His kingdom. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. I really, really want to challenge you guys to use the word preeminent this week throughout the week, okay? As much as you possibly can, all right? Preeminent, right? Are you guys ready to use it? You don't know what it means, do you? (laughs) Simply put, and you go look it up, there's a lot of words that could be used as uh, synonyms for it, but simply put, it means the greatest. The greatest. Read that again. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be the greatest. The greatest. It's like Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, right? For those of you that remember Muhammad Ali. And what and what he say? What he say? I'm the greatest in the world, right? And he was a great boxer. He was a great boxer. I mean, go back and watch some of those films. Some of you don't care about boxing. I love it. He was a great boxer. But at the end of the day, he was a great boxer. He was not the greatest. And part of what Paul is trying to help that young church understand and sink their anchor into, same for us today, is that we would understand, hopefully like they would understand, that Jesus Himself is the greatest. 19. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you ever have any question about whether or not Jesus was fully God or not, right there you go. Verse 19. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And in verse 20, it says this. 
It says, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Making peace by the blood of His cross. God sent Jesus to reconcile us back to Him because He loves us, cares for us. And, and listen, if you're, if you're sitting here in this moment and you're saying, oh, you know, no, 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 Chris, I, that's, you know, you don't know, you don't know my story. I've done some really awful things in my life. Hmm. I'd like to introduce you to some people, first of all. Everybody that always tells me, like, oh, I've done some awful things, I'll tell you a few of them. I'm like, okay, you got anything better than that? Come on. You know, I've heard some stuff. I'm telling you, Jesus can save anybody. As a matter of fact, a pastor friend of mine, a couple days ago on social media, he, he made this post. He said, preach a message, preach a message in three words. And I posted on you. You want to know what I posted? Here it is. Jesus saves sinners. That's the most important message that we've got to give to this world. And I don't care where they come from. I don't care what they look like. I don't care if they look like me, smell like me, talk like me. Doesn't matter. They are God's creation. We are God's creation together. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And God has called us to share the good news of Jesus with them. That they too might know what we know in His saving grace and what He's done for us. That we would be reminded that the Creator of all things is also the Redeemer of all things. And that the head of, the, of all creation is also head of the church. 1 John 3.5 says this, It says, you know that He appeared in order to take away sins. And in Him, there is no sin. How how does Jesus not have sin? He was a guy too, right? Uh, Yeah, but He was also fully God. And God has the ability to say no to sin every day of the week. And praise God for it because that's part of what made Him the perfect sacrificial lamb on our behalf, the perfect sacrifice that His blood would be shed on our behalf instead of our death, which is what we deserve for our sin, Jesus took that death for us. Luke one seventy nine says this, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I'll read that again. To give life, this is, this, is, this is talking about birth of John the Baptist, birth of Jesus, and John the Baptist coming to prepare the way for Jesus to come, to give light, that He would come to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What peace? Verse 20, peace. Making peace by the blood of the cross. That's the peace we're looking for. That's the peace the whole world is looking for, but they don't know how to figure it out. They haven't, they haven't figured it out, or they've, they've turned it down, or whatever it is. But all this, you know, hey, you know, we could just get everybody together on the same page. Maybe if we got all the, all the best politicians and the best leaders in the world, and we got them together, and we wrote this great document that everybody's going to be on the same page with, and we're all going to sign it. And we're going to have some peace finally, Right? No way. There's no way. There's not going to be peace until the truth comes of when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's when there will be peace. Until then, for those of us who have heard the truth of the Gospel and have believed in Jesus and put their faith in Him to be our Savior, we have the peace that only comes by the blood of the cross. 
Who is Jesus? Who am I? I'll tell you who Jesus is. He is preeminent. He's the greatest. I'll tell you who I am. I'm His servant. I'm a servant of the greatest. The greatest. It's all on Jesus. He is our everything. He is the greatest. He has no rival. He has no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. If you have never trusted in Christ as your Savior, may today be the day that you listen to the Lord. If, if He is speaking to your heart, I pray that you listen to Him today. I'll hang out down here during the service, after the service, whatever I need to do, just to, just to be able to pray with you about it. Not talking about pressure or whatever, just if God is speaking to your heart, just listen to Him. And you may just be able to come up and say, Chris, God is speaking to my heart. I don't even know what to do with it. That's fine. The question is today, do you believe in the greatest? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your truth. God, we need it. God, the gospel is, is, so, is so good for us. Even in, the, even in the things that we already know, God, just to hear it again, to hear that you loved us so much that you still love us so much that you made sacrifices for us that we could be made new that you would send your son to die for us god i pray that we would be your people god that we would believe god and i pray that we would be a people that not only believe but god that we are we are willing just to be used by you to be your hands and feet god that others could hear and know you because they know us god we pray that You would use us to do that kind of work. God, it is all in Him. God, thank You for sending us, not just anybody, but sending us the greatest. Thank You for the peace that You made by the blood of the cross for our lives. God, as we believe, may You be glorified in us. We ask this in Your Son's name. Amen.